Boom! What's up everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host Alan Sakyan. Very excited to be talking about all things comedy, all things political correctness in our culture and in comedy. Very excited to be having John Allen joining us on the show. Hello. How's it going? Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. For sure. And I'm really grateful that we had the opportunity to meet several years ago and I've been to your Cheaper Than Therapy events multiple times that you've been producing for six years now. Yeah. Six years of Cheaper Than Therapy, this is, and this is crazy because you do 315 of these every year. Yeah, we built up to, to that. Built up to yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. just jump in at 315. <laughs> and do six a week. But right. yeah. it's very badass that you do six of these a week. And you, are, you have 20,000 people that you entertain every single year. Yeah. That come through. Yeah, we sell out every weekend. And so it's been a good... Uh, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have a cool series that you've started as well called Cheaper Than Therapy. That link's in the bio. John's links are in the bio. The Cheaper Than Therapy is in the bio. If you're ever coming through the Bay Area, we highly, highly recommend it. It's at Shelton Theater in Union Square uh, to check out Cheaper Than Therapy. Uh, John's hilariously uh, was previously a physicist. Now he's turned stand-up comedian. So we'll be talking about that transition as well. And let's jump into things on a big history perspective. We find ourselves as stewards of Earth. What is your current take on the state of humanity? Not good. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> seem. It seems like. <clears throat> um, it seems like as a uh, species, we're uh, uh, destined for uh, self-destruction, um, which is not something that you find a lot of other species doing to themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, on the whole, we had a good, pretty good run. I think it's uh, was. Uh, <laughs> Ron's a hundred percent. We sure did. It's a reasonable. It was. It was a good try. We did a valiant effort, and uh, let's just hang it up and just start. My goal is, I think we should put. I know that this is live, but the we should put like the free beer that has sterilization. So people will tell them, will tell them that it's got sterilization. I'm not going to trick anybody, but you also get free beer. And I think that, and I think that a lot of people would go for that where they just get free beer and then there's no more kids. And I think that that's, I mean, that's the more people, more people is the problem. More, the pe number of people is the problem. Like 8 billion people is 7 billion people too many. Are you aware of the Georgia Guidestones? The way? The Georgia Guidestones. They, they recommend you keep a, a population of about 500 million on the planet and, yeah. and you do things like you, you, you're very intelligent about the way that you make laws and that you reproduce. And well, yeah, that's not going to happen. That's yeah. not going to happen. We need, the biggest problem, at least in America, and America's like the, the driver of all of this crap at the moment, I think, is, is that we're so spread out as, you know, suburbia is what is mm. murdering the planet. Mm is that uh, uh, when people are densely packed together, then they're more educated, more aware, more availability of resources. And if, if you have the means and the education to say like, oh, I can uh, be on bird control and bone irresponsibly, and uh, then people will do that. They don't like, mo almost everybody wasn't wanted. So it's not like a big, it's, <laughs> If they weren't unwanted, what a statement! <laughs> if they weren't, if they weren't unwanted, then I certainly don't want them now. So it's it's a like at some point in time they're not they're that's not a, really wanted. That's an interesting statistic. What percentage of children are actually wanted? Maybe like probably more than fifty percent. Uh, well, right? I think 
More than 50. I mean, it, over their whole life? Because I'm assuming <laughs> it's, there's a good, once they hit like three, it's just like, I'm done with this kid. <laughs> Uh, what was geez. I thinking? What was I thinking? So, what what would you say the um, <clears throat> the the most uh, the, what what variables do you give the greatest weight to, which give you the feeling that humanity should just you know that it's not going well? Well, first of all, with the, the the discussion that we can't have a discussion about that there are just too many people. There are just it's just too many people. It's not. That's, I mean, that's the discussion that politicians should be having, like, well, how do we not get rid of the people that are here, but maybe, you know, curtail. No, the thing is uh, creating jobs for all these people. Yeah, that's, not, know, that's they, not a good, wanna... that's not a good situation. Don't encourage them. Unless that job takes up 100% of their time here, here. and, they, and yes. they don't have time to bone anymore and can't make kids. Which like, is that's, kind of what's happening. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's sort of, but that doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really stop you, the process. The, the, uh, some of the argument of some of these leading public intellectuals has been that it, it, if resources were managed in extremely uh, sustainable, uh, environmentally conscious ways, and we could easily put billions of people out into the, the cosmos and, and no. really be... In no, I'm sorry. Like, it's too... It's, the thing's too far away. Like, if you look at... If you look at the... the essentially, like... I was bored in class one day and was like, the closest, so the brightest star in the sky is Sirius. It's like 8.8 light years away. Closest star is Alpha Proxima, which is like 5.7 light years away or something 4. like that. 4.25. But it's 4, 4, 5, whatever. I'm a, as yeah. You just round yeah. up to some whole number. It's close by. The point being is that if, you were, if the entire Earth were a grain of sand and we're on a beach in California, the, the closest star... In, the, in Northern California, the closest star in the sky is on a, is a gr larger grain of sand, a much larger grain of sand, <laughs> it's a rock, on the, uh, on the coast in, in Galveston or Florida, like that. It's that far away. And it, it's, not, it's not reasonable to have an expectation that, we, that we're going to leave here and you know. Well, yeah, maybe not even, not even necessarily that. You're going to send a text, message, you, send a text you, message to somebody 4.4 line years away? Or? Maybe, maybe, here's a, maybe here's a better way to structure that. I got that, ghosted. That, that, I didn't find out that I got ghosted for like <laughs> 36 years. How did that? Take, take, <laughs> take, take something like... Why the, don't you talk the, to me, Betty? Take something like the way that you just... Uh, re, uh, that, you, that you use the resources of the host rock that you live on. If you do it in a very sustainable way that's conscious and friendly with the planet, and that if you do it through nuclear fusion or through harvesting solar energy of all different sorts, there's all different ways to do this, that you could potentially unleash the creative minds if you did uh, a good job. I mean, look, but the, I think like right the now, children really well. right now, I mean, that's a, that, we, that's, we, we I think that that's, that, sure. I think, so I, I had somebody that kept pestering me when I was giving a lecture one time, and they kept asking me about string theory stuff, and I don't do string theory. That they they wanted to ask about like a, um, I, don't know, I was doing constrained Hamiltonian dynamics, and they want to know about string theory, blah blah blah. How's the supply? And I'm like, look, I had to stop because it was interrupting the lecture, and I was like, look, questions for the sake of questions is theology or uh, is philosophy, mm. right? There's a whole department mm. for that. Answers for the sake of answers is theology. There's mm. another department for that. Questions for the sake of answers is science. Mm. That's what we do. We take incremental steps. 
So while these may be big pie in the sky questions, I don't think that they're like the incremental steps. We have more pressing yeah. problems, which is like, how can we not get a hundred million dollars cut from uh, NSF funding this year? Yeah, and yeah. why did the movie Gravity uh, cost more to make than all of the money that was used to fund gravity research in the last ten years? Like, how is how are those two things together? Well, that's and interesting stuff. So, so th I just made that up. But it was. Oh. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's very, I'm sure. It sounds right. It sounds right. It sounds like the right thing. It feels right. It feels right. That's what matters. Uh, the, but the like, so I told them I was like, questions for the sake of answers. That's what you should be looking for. And answers for the sake of questions. That's Jeopardy. Comes on at three. We got to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's so the, you you bring up this good point, which is this really bright future that you envision, and that these millennials and Gen Z kids that they envision building. It has to have these actionable steps that we need to take in order to increase the science funding, make sure that we're not birthing kids that are, that are depleted of nutrients that they need in order to maximize the potential of them into the world. There's like all these short-term things that we need to focus on and that's kind of where some of your maybe your, your I think unhappiness that that's the, I think that that's from. the incremental, like science is an incremental process. You have a large scale direction. If you build a company, you have an incremental, lean startup, whatever, you have an incremental process where it's like, I want to get to this thing at the end. I think this is sort of like where, you know, because things have been so stagnant and, and impossible or uh, regressive in the political sphere for so long that, um, you know, I think a lot of millennials are upset and they just want it to change drastically mm. right now. And I think that, I mean, this is probably why I'm not a millennial or I definitely am in the thing, but I don't... Uh, I don't call people, I text people, and if they call me, I get upset. So I guess there's like certain things that I'm a millennial about, but I want, I want incremental change. I want to see somebody that's saying like, here's what we want to do at the end of the day, and here's, here's a plan for incremental process yeah. yes. to that. And I want, you know, the biggest change would need to be the paradigm of like, how people understand what information is. Yes. And that's, that's the biggest threat to, to humanity at the moment. Is, uh, Brainwashing. It's not. It's a pre-built-in component where it's like I want to feel like I belong to a group, and I want to feel smart. And you I mean that's a good. Mm, you get a reward. Sure. You get yeah, a reward yeah. system. Like the, if you didn't have the reward that of having learned something, you get a reward. I mean, a large part of the U.S. population, at least, has uh, bypassed the the learning aspect of it and they go directly to the reward. Oh, well, I uh, saw it on, uh, we'll say, uh, Fox News, let's website, say that. Website, uh, <laughs> CNN, whatever website. I saw it on sure. Facebook. And, Facebook. Uh, and uh, now, I'm, now, now I'm, you know, uh, and you see it, you see it in, uh, you know, if you look at like mental illness or something like that, you see a lot of like the edge cases of, of how the human brain works. Yeah. And, you know, that's where you get a lot of the conspiracy uh, components sure, sure. as well, and I, I think that everybody is is susceptible to it. And science is the is the process of removing what you want to be true and challenging what mm. you want to be true, in order to uh, be deeply unhappy all of your life. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> also, science comes with no money. So I don't know why, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, I should just watch Fox News and be happy. The, it seems like, it seems pretty good. That's a very, very crucial point, is that um, funding science and making science more of, an, of, a, of a process of inquiry for, for, uh, for in critical thinking for children, when they're first birthed into the world, um, will eliminate a lot of the potential uh, uh, errors and malevolences that we now have today. I don't think we need to do it just for kids. I think it's possible to teach an adult, like, yeah. how are, what are the things, how do you spot fake news? Yeah, totally. Here's how, totally. here's how I spot fake news. Well, first of all, where, like, what other references are pointing to it? Like, you know, is it something that's just one off and then all references point to the same initial source? Is it reputable? Like, does it have some, uh, more likely to, sure. to be inclined to trust something that, that has a, uh, reputation. Do they do, um, if it's print media, or even if it's not, do they do corrections? And do they list the yeah. corrections? Yeah. So the, one of the, the great things about, uh, I, I found it to be the case that if a, and I don't agree with everything that Wall Street Journal says, something else like that, but they have a print edition. And the print edition forces you to make decisions at a certain time and then do something about it. And that process filters up to any way in which you get additional, uh, you know, web content or something else like that. And the and the process of that gives you corrections and history of corrections. Yeah. You can't unprint a newspaper, yeah. so you have to print corrections. corrections you can yeah. unpublish a web page very easily. The last one is, and this is really, this is goes to the heart of why it's very easy to get into fights on Twitter. Uh, grammar and spelling fundamentally tell you if the person cares enough. If you can't care about correcting and finding grammar and spelling mistakes, then you can't care enough to find the facts. <laughs> it's a very indicative uh, component, uh, at least for me. Like if there's a spelling, if there's a spelling error, uh, like a, just a blatant one or a, a horrible grammar error, I'm, I'm on to the next thing. I'm just, I can't read the article. So, so you're bringing up a, an important point about, about, about really looking at news media and figuring out uh, across all social as well and just figuring out what's true and what's not. There's a lot of signal out there, but it needs to really get more and more attention and eyeballs on that as a foundation of truth. And that's a really good way to maybe solve some of the issues that we have. Well, I think if we look at, if we look at how a lot, so there's the news retainment component of news, which is, you know, when you think of like the Daily Show or now uh, um, sure. last week tonight uh, with John Oliver, which is that they do, a, they do a great job. I think that there is fundamentally a relationship between something that is blatantly true uh, and how you receive and understand information and comedy. Yeah, I, I think that those things are, are, are fundamentally related. Agreed, yeah. And I think it's up to r r some of the best comics in the world have done a really good job at making uh, the f true things in the foundation of science more uh, visible and uh, easier to, to laugh about and, and understand. Now, I just tell, I tell dick when, jokes. I don't do that. I don't, I don't try and... <laughs> that's my... Try and that's enlighten my, and enrich. I think that there's a different... I think there's a different thing when you're... Like, I, my goal is not to, like... It's to entertain people. I mean, I, that's uh, the, when, when I started Cheaper Therapy, it was, it's customer service oriented uh, comedy club, which is, I, I'm not, everyone's not gonna be happy, 
but it should be something where I did my best and made sure that everybody else tried to book the people that also wanted to do their best to entertain people as opposed to like push some agenda. Yeah. Represent yourself. Sure, sure. Represent your voice. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, it's yeah. different. It's different for like this, you know, The Daily Show or Last Week Tonight or something like that, where if they, they, they do have a story to tell. Vice News has a, sure. you know, they, it's the same trope of like, why well, I watch Frontline. I watch Frontline, uh, the PBS series, because the intro music tells me, oh, you're being smart. Good job, John. You're doing something that's good for your brain. Like, it's the intro music that just tells me, uh, you know, that, that voice of the uh, front, front line. It's, uh, it's telling me, like, oh, you're doing a good job and, and learning something. I don't, I don't know if they're doing it. Like, you, you know, you, you, initi- you bring up, and you're on your big history perspective, you bring up, like, the state of humanity having issues to deal with. At the same time, like, one of the things that comedians can do is help society think more critically about things like you mentioned with the news feed and stuff like that, is they passing along jokes to audiences about, about how a lacking of critical thinking or about success with critical thinking, making people laugh ah, that about sounds, it You know, that it. sounds like a bummer of a comedy club to come to, actually, Well, I guess it, it from really me, it from depends my stan- from my standpoint, From my standpoint, my job is everybody has had a shitty week. Just assume everyone's had a shitty week. They've entrusted me with their Friday night. Okay, let's go out, and my job is to make them laugh. Laughter lowers the temperature. If you can, if, if you've had a bad week, if you're, you know, bundled up about something, like those people or the mm-hmm. uh, right or the left people or the same, just kind of, if you come out and laugh. Mm-hmm. If you can't laugh, then don't fucking come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're so, if you're so pent up and you you're gonna be, uh, you know, upset and outraged about everything, just don't. Stay at home. Stay yeah. at home and just let it. Run out the clock. Yeah, comedy has significant <laughs> physiological benefits. I completely, completely agree. And a lot of people, you can find com- comic material that can resonate for a bit, for lots the and lots of people. different. It's a different shirt because this one has pit stains in it, and that one doesn't have. That was new. that was a cleaner. That one, was a cleaner a new shirt. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I didn't. The beard was shorter then at the time. Still yeah. balding. Still balding. But but nothing quite like the beard on the hobo. Oh yeah, no, John that's image. different. That's a different situation. That for that one was that a year? This was a year of growing the beard out. Uh, that was probably that was over a year. That was back when I was in Austin. Yeah. In indolent erudite. Erudite. It should be a comma, but that's too lazy. A lazy smart person. <laughs> a lazy smart person. Yeah. <laughs> like... It's so good, dude. It's so good. This one's lit. Yeah. <laughs> this is so good. And I'm glad that you got some of these photos taken just, just you know, <laughs> for fun. So, okay, but now you can lead us to this for a bit. So, <clears throat> so Texas-born, uh, Austin-trained in physics, mm-hmm. and then uh, tell us about how that, that, how that interest in physics started, then your hatred of academia pushed you to... Uh, yeah, I think, I, well, I mean, I think outside of academia, you have this austere sort of like, oh... You get to sit and work on your problem, and that's not what it is. Um, you know, I, the reason I got into physics is because I started out, I love computers, and so I started out doing computer science, and everybody was like, I'm gonna make uh, $90,000 a year, which was a lot back in 2000, I'm old. And uh, um, I was like, I don't care, I just wanna talk about like kernels and schedulers and things like that. And, and uh, so I left, I went to robotics for like, five seconds and everybody was 10 times worse there. Uh, and then I went to physics and pure math 
and no one said anything about the jobs they were going to get. They were just like, hey, look at this math thing. And I was like, these are my people. These are like, they don't like, it's in the worst building on UT campus. It's really like, if you, if you would tell somebody how to get to the RLM, <clears throat> which is named after a racist mathematician, by the way, uh, who didn't believe in the uh, null belonged in the set. But anyways, uh, he, uh, uh, the RLM, uh, Robert Lee Moore building, you could just follow the ugly people. And if you followed the ugly people, you would end up at the, at the RLM. It's a, it's a beautiful place. They, have, uh, they, took, they spared no expense to make it soul crushing at every turn. Uh, there's no like foyer, or, no, it is crammed packed with experiments, with uh, the uh, just some of the most dense, just no outside light <laughs> offices that you can imagine. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's lovely. I had a great time. You found your a, people, which is huge. I did find my I people. I love that. Where they just talk about what you know, look at this beautiful math or this yeah. beautiful physics. Yeah, and you know, and then I, I, I uh, started working with Dr. Master uh, when I was an undergraduate and then stayed on for grad school there. And I mean, I basically saw, that was relativity. Um, it was computational relativity, so I looked at binary black hole inner spirals, two galaxies coming together and they kick off gravitational radiation. Mm -hmm. um, looked at specifically, um, my dissertation was on uh, stability of gauge equations and how Einstein's equations were our uh, form of gauge um, system in the Hamiltonian so anyways, blah, blah, blah. But the point being is that while, while this, this takes time, it takes a lot of like dedication or a lot of interest, a lot of Adderall as well. And the, uh, <laughs> but I just saw how horrible uh, academics kind of treated each other like I wanted it to be like the oh I'm just interested in stuff and, and, and I saw how funding was taken away from the people who were just interested in things and it was given to the people that were like trying to that were the people that you're, you're like I'm not saying that that guy's making up data but if there was somebody making up data it's that guy over there <laughs> right you know where you get that feeling where it's sort mm -hmm. of like where is your are, are you doing this for because you care about science? Are you doing this because mm. you have like some sort of thing? And then all of your time is spent writing grant proposals. You know what a professor does? A professor writes grant proposals. They write grant proposals and they review uh, work that's done by graduate students and, and give them direction um, for it so that they can publish more papers. And if you're, if you're not in this, in this mindset where you're just gonna publish a shit ton of papers, all the time on the same topic because if you start to deviate from from your specific field then people are like ah they have no discipline they they're not going to be a good they're not going to be a good so you don't I mean you don't get right now at a real university you don't get no one's getting tenure until they're like 50. Mm -hmm. um, so I figured if I wasn't going to have a real job well might as well be a comic <laughs> I missed I missed uh, I missed teaching yeah I miss being in front of people yeah and so yeah, I yeah. Uh, and I like jokes and so I'd written a bunch of one-line jokes and uh, this was still in Austin I started writing them in Austin always thinking like I'm gonna come to I'm gonna do stand-up I'm gonna do stand-up I'm gonna do stand-up and then uh, I was out here and what was the pull to go to the bay uh, I weighed 270 pounds and uh, you wanted to be around other non-fat people well I was you. just like 
I, I was like, I told the government, is like, we're, we're moving. Uh, your choices are New York or San Francisco, someplace I have to walk. <laughs> I, where I can't have a car. Yeah, yeah. And so we moved out here and, uh, I mean, with, with my background, I just got a job and, and, and moved out here. And, and uh, it turns out that if you leave academia, I mean, I worked at some other jobs before. I worked for MIT's Media Lab for a little bit and, and other stuff, doing some cool things. But if you, if you leave academia, you're never going to be as challenged up to that level as you were in grad school or, or something along those lines. And so, Well, it depends on how intellectually uh, curious you are. If you're super I'm not, curious. I'm not. I'm very, like, I don't I mean, care. You, you definitely were at least very intellectually curious. <laughs> yeah, I was. was. Yeah, I yeah, was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> was yeah. intellectually curious. Yeah, because if you are very, very curious across, especially like either one discipline or many different disciplines, it can really make uh, no. outside academia no. like, like, no. very fun. No, the amount of time that, that you're spending doing like 10 couple partial difference, second order partial differential equations, stability solutions, looking at that for years on end, uh, and well, looking at the, the minutiae. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. It, that, that depth, you're never going to experience that level of, of sort of, uh, you know, you're at the forefront of, of, of uh, knowledge and you're taking little cups of sand and pouring in a little bit more to make the beach a little bit bigger. Uh, and it's, uh, you, you don't, the rest of it is gonna be, mm. you're gonna coast a little bit after that. You can still have fun, you can still be engaged, but you're gonna coast a little bit. I found sure. that I was super bored at work because I was doing marketing data science stuff and that's cool that's fine they're good people I really like working with them uh, but I needed something else and so um, started doing stand-up quick before we get to the two things you brought up first is back in Texas when you were explaining how the within the scientific uh, um, to getting to the edge of knowledge and wanting to pursue that we need to fund that better we need to make that so it's not just some person that's making up data points it's not cool to do with the foundation of science technology not just saying that they did then, I'm not saying they did but it still but happens just, though. you, you, you smelled it you smelled happen. it out you're like you're like something is, your, your ambition is weird Yes, and then and then the other thing that you brought up just a moment ago was, you have this, this this really good way of explaining depth because we like to talk a lot about depth and breadth and the way that you can understand reality. And when you go to you know to such depths of a specific subject like physics, you are really just pouring you know on a massive beach full of sand already. You're pouring another little half cup of sand. Oh, yeah all these little, tiny little incremental advances you're making at the edge and this is very important we need people at the edge of all these different disciplines that are doing that that type of work really deep down but they also need to be valued and valued, so like yes. you know i think that there's it i mean one of the biggest uh troubling marks that we should see at the moment besides everything else that's troubling is um you know for america during you know manhattan project during after the war after you know going to the moon things like that there was a huge investment in the brain trust for the US now the brain trust is essentially um, paid for by military industrial complex which we don't have the same like the, the public doesn't have the same visibility into that component now where people are where where jobs are in academia is I mean China and uh, China uh, and uh, <laughs> and 
and uh, I mean Europe is doing uh, Germany's doing doing well um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of jobs there but in proportion I mean China's just China's clearly trying to be like oh we want to we want to build up a massive amount of smart people here you, the way that you raise children into the world, giving them the nutrients and the stimuli that they need in order to become these super smart edge thinkers and leaders is. You know, I think really most people can do it. I don't think it's necessarily just children. I agree. Well, no, I mean, I mean, people, most people, even adults, they can do it, but it's really having foresight to think about what stimuli children are absorbing, what traumas they are not exposed to, how much love and compassion and basic. I had none of those things, yeah. man. Like, they set me Stop. in front of the TV. They set me in front of the TV. It gave me like a hot dogs and mac and cheese out of a can. Like, come on. It's, I think that everybody, I think it, the only thing you have to do, like I hear people all the time. Like I, I, bought a, I bought a piano two years ago. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to learn to play piano. And then I was like, oh, well, I, I don't want to read music, so I'm just going to learn to play by ear. And I mean, that's hard. Mm -hmm. You have to enjoy yeah. doing this stuff, and I'm, I'm not perfect, and maybe if I start at five, then I would be perfect. Sure, sure. But I, I don't think, I think that the, what we've trained ourselves to do is to make all these excuses. Well, I didn't get the right nutrients growing up, so I can't yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, but there are I seriously mean, people that didn't have parents growing up, or parents were drug addicts growing up, or whatever, and these are not, they didn't even have anything, they didn't have I think clean that's, water. I think that's, I think know, that's that a, kind of stuff serious. The, so we're talking about the, the bell curve right yeah, here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, yeah, I agree, the people in the, the middle the, the people in the middle, the people in the middle is, is, sure. is the generally the bulk Oh. Sure, where they did have the basic needs met, but that there's, there's sometimes it's things like Bluetooth Sigma and mentorship that you need. You need a one-on-one -on -one mentorship to get a couple standard deviations out um, on these bell curves. You can do good things in the middle. You can do great things in the middle as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So now, so now take us, okay, you move to the Bay, you're starting to get in, into comedy doing stand-up yourself, and then you decide that you're going to produce your own comedy show, Cheaper Than Therapy. That was pretty easy to D decide. Now tell us about how you decided that and also how you decide on these 12 comics that you have to bring on every single week because this is tough stuff. You not only have to book and manage those twelve comics. You have to book and manage. You have to. You have to book and manage this theater. The hundreds of guests that come on to. You know. You have a hundred guests per show, pretty much. Is that's about the number. And then you have, the you know the the ticket sales and managing that. The finance. I mean, this is tough stuff to continue managing over time, yeah. especially with the political correctness culture. How do you pick the right comedians? So tell us about this. Process. I think that there's like basically it just boils down to. I mean. So it, it got started because, I mean, if you do, if you run a show, you get more regular stage time, and that's what you need in front of, in front of, other people to be to be better at yeah. at, at your at your job. And uh, then once it started, I was like, well, I mean, comics are generally self-destructive, um, irresponsible people. So all I have to do is be a little bit less irresponsible and a little bit less self-destructive, and I can knock it out of the park. And so I, you know, I found the, the folks at the Shelton Theater and, and really like found a place that they would work with me while I built this up. And you know, for three months we did one show a month while I figured out mm. um, while I figured out cost and where uh, advertising spend was doing and who the demographic was coming in and what was resonating with them and things like that. Mm -hmm. And but really, I think the 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 hardest challenge of stand up or any sort of art component is. 
I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna choose the comics that make me laugh. And the show will be consistent because it was a reflection of, of a singular entity. The people that I work with, they are the people that make me laugh. Once you have that sort of basis and trust amongst the group of people, yeah, yeah. then you can say, hey, this person made me laugh. They did a good job. You know, they're not gonna wreck up the place. And so then, then we have uh, additional, uh, an additional network of people, and, and you just build that up over time. Yes. So, yes. Um, Likewise, with what this is like, and with what entrepreneurship or art is like, is that that process of building up networks of trusted people and continuing to deliver high quality products, measure your yeah. audience, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, and then after afterwards, or after the show, you know, I, I talk with everybody, uh, Gladhand folks. I'm yes, there. you do. You talk to almost every single person that yeah. attends the shows. This is very powerful. You're yeah. asking them, you know, why they came out, what they're interested in. Um, I like people. Yeah. I like, I hate people, but I like. <laughs> he's, just, I, I like he's just looking for blow talk, at the yeah. end of the show. That's why you talk to everybody. I don't, I talk to everybody and it's great. Like, I'm not going to have to really interact with them again. Like, the, I, I like the concept of people. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. bored with them. Um, and uh, and uh, so it's. You know, it's entertaining, and it's also just from a standpoint of like maintaining, maintaining a uh, consumer product in a space that is notoriously like bad to comics. Comedy clubs are bad to comics. Comedy clubs are bad to audience members. <laughs> Literally, they are like you are forced to buy two drinks. I'm going to charge you. I'm going to charge you some ticket fee thing. I'm going to uh, force you to buy two drinks. No, we said no. You know what? We take away the drink minimum and. The people buy about the same number of drinks anyways, right? Because that's what they were going to do, but they don't have to feel like cattle. Mm. And after the show, you know, it's a, it is a, what resonates with a lot of people is like, hey, they wanted me to be there. I had a good time. If you want to continue partying after the show, I'm your man. I want to continue partying with you and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and interact and find out so that I understand, like, where are my customers coming from? When someone has a problem, they generally come to me. Yeah. And, uh, and they're from countries around the world, the, these people, um, which so is there's, cool. there's, 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 we get about 60 to 70% of our audience uh, over the course of a weekend is San Francisco, directly Bay Area. Cool. Uh, um, you know, a little bit less down south, a little bit less uh, out uh, uh, East Bay. Um, but 70%, if of those people, 50% of them will come back within a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they'll bring with them two to three people. That's great, um, including me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's just word of mouth. So if yeah. you build a product that, that has good word of mouth, then, then that, you know, that means any show, about a fourth of the show, is direct word of mouth that, um, yeah. that, has no, that costs nothing. Yes. That means that I can pay comics more. It means I can keep the theater stable. I can keep the art community stable. And that's a big thing to give back for somebody mm -hmm. who has a tech job. Um, that's because yeah, yeah. those people are ruining the city, and so I want <laughs> I want to at least uh, at least keep some some art going and some community going, and, and, and be supportive and contributive of that. And it's um, you know that that's quite important to me. And then the fact that I mean I would literally not I would be a very very self destructive person if I didn't have a way to like uh, channel creativity to something that was that was sustainable and, and, and had an audience to. To, uh, to talk with. 
Yeah, this is another reoccurring theme that comes up when we sit down with comedians is that they, like you said at the very beginning, that the stage time and the practice that you get from producing your own set is super crucial. So you get the ability to go and perform over and over and over again. And you also have, again, an outlet for your own creative talent. And you know, you mentioned that you think that like some of the tech is 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 harm is harmful, and we would we would agree that some of the some of the protocols are. And to be able to counter that with your own art and community development is is critical, and that's why we have ambitions to do you know creative warehousing and a lot of uh, of, uh, of aspiring young people to be able to execute their dreams. Now, when you're curating the twelve that you pick for these six, six shows that happen a week, how do you pick? You know, you were talking about how you pick them because they're the people that you trust, that you built relationships with, that yeah. kind of stuff. But then. How do you how do you both curate your message as well as how do you kind of how do you see their messages being curated in this age of political correctness? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, it's a, it's a bear. You have to be if you're if you're booking a show or like running club, you have to be. You should be aware. Funny is funny. Out of the funny people in the world, you. Same thing happens in, in math. They're underrepresented uh, groups. I think that that providing diversity is a is a definitely a win for um, having more talent. If it is a meritocracy, have more people uh, be able to enter into the pool, and you'll find and the best people will rise to the top. And and so uh, making it a making it a place um, as a club that's that's welcoming to every underrepresented. The minority of women, women or not, you know, they make up more than half of, of population, and there's not more than half the comics are not. They're all white dudes. All of them are white. Dudes. <laughs> Every like, you know, that's the vast majority of, of comics. And so, uh, making sure that that it is a place where um, everyone feels welcome, and uh, that everybody is a uh, has that same reflection of like. Once you're in the green room with comics, you can say anything and nothing's offensive. It's beautiful. It's a lovely thing. Outside of, of, of that, back to your, the, the PC culture or something, I, I'm, I don't have a problem. There's always been boundaries. There's always been boundaries. George Carlin, the seven dirty words. We have seven dirty words now. They just all happen to be racial epithets, so we don't say them out loud. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, what you're asking is a, is a moving target, and mm. comedy is comedy is a thing. You don't have, uh, you know, Steve Martin's not going to go out and uh, play King King Tut for uh, a group of people right now because it moved on. He's not going to. We're too wild and crazy guy. He's not doing that. It's not Led Zeppelin, right? It's a moving. It's a known moving target. It's a known shifting thing. The the ebb and flow of, of where those boundaries are within a society defines what, what, what a group of people think of as comedy. And frankly, as a, as a comedian, you, even if you say, I hate the boundaries, <laughs> you love the boundaries. That's what you walk, you walk right up to the boundary. Mm -hmm. You walk right up mm -hmm. to the boundary and you tell people, look, 
Look, I'm stepping on the boundary. I'm stepping on the boundary. I'm having fun. Oh, this is dangerous. Someone's going to be angry. Most of you are not going to be. Yeah, yeah. That's where we know the boundary is there. <laughs> We've angered at least five people and yeah. made 95 people happy. Yeah. Good boundary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of, you can kind of, the, the, so the bound, this boundary, this political correctness that, that exists is moving target, and maybe we can view it as something that's continuously moving towards more and more progress, like ethics of society are evolving to become more moral, more ethical, and so then you know, the boundary is continuously moving kind of away nah, from I think, bigotry I think, and I think, racism. I don't, I don't know. I think that people just, that, that uh, people feel a lot of, they don't feel in control. And I think that while there's a lot of, of good things about, you know, trying to be more empathetic and, and, and trying to, to understand, you know, different roles and put yourself in other people's shoes, you, you can do that without, without necessarily the, the PC, uh, you know, sort of culture uh, that, that we have at the moment. It's just as a comic, though. Uh, as a comic, though, it is it is based specifically. Um, it tells you where the comedy is at. So, as a as a comedian, you have two things: you have yourself, what you find funny, uh, and then what people will accept. And uh, so, you have to draw that Venn diagram and choose out of the center right there. So, this is telling you, this is telling you something uh, in the center. I think I think that a lot of the a lot of folks that that I've interacted with, it's, if the, the, the derogative term is a social justice warrior or something along those lines. Um, you know, it's unfortunate if, if people don't feel in control. Uh, outrage is a, is a form of aggression. It's a form of aggression where somebody wants to control you mm. by trying to, trying to shame you. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, if you merely don't have shame, then it's, Look, I'm willing to. I'm willing to fail. I don't want. I'm not. If something doesn't work, and people don't laugh and they're upset, I'm not going to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. But if it was funny to me, I'm going to try, <laughs> because that's what the Venn diagram is, right? Yeah. And you get bored, and you're like, ah, you know what? If somebody's angry at me today, it's just it's one more day that someone's angry at me. Okay, that's fine. Like, you know, you have to really accept yourself, and I and I think that that yeah. um, that right now we accept a lot of. A lot of that shame, and that's that's part of the ebb and flow. Like people will figure that out um, as a society, and it'll be a different thing. You know, it'll be it'll be different different words, different you know. Or is yeah. that? If I think, I think yeah. the, the the overall thing is to to attempt to be to challenge yourself to be aware to try and be more empathetic. Yes. I think sympathy is not a good thing, but I think I think empathy is a, is a good thing. Yeah, you get behind the eyes of uh, other people. Yeah, sympathy experience. projects that you that they need your sympathy, and, and so that's that's wrong. But trying to understand and mm -hmm. listen to yeah. listen to people, uh, then you'll also know what exactly to mock. And <laughs> so I mean, listening to people is how you listening to people is that like there's a there's a subconscious component where you're like, ooh, that's gonna be good. That's that's uh. gonna be a good joke. That's gonna be right. That's going to be right there. I'm going to get 99 people, and the one person's going to feel bad that they were outraged because everyone else laughed so hard. Mm. That's good. Yeah. <laughs>
I like how you put it in boundary, in perspective of boundaries, that seems to make a lot of sense. And also the way that you explain it in terms of uh, like your love of like being around the boundary and testing it out and being very open and not shameful. That's super important. Um, not necessarily, uh, there's something about, about um, control, like you said, of mm. people wanting to control the way that other people um, think as well. I wanna, um, I want to uh, go back and forth with you a bit on, on you know, since you're a strong science background along with comedy and production now, uh, your take on exponential technology's effect on humanity. Well, I mean, I work in the tech world, and so I don't, I mean, I open terminal. I don't, I have the web thing. And I will never be a front-end engineer. I'll always open terminal. I don't care. I think, I think that technology, we've gotten to the point where, what was the uh, Arthur C. Clarke's fifth rule or something like that, that once mm. technology becomes so advanced, it's indistinguishable from magic. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> you know, growing up in the South in the, in the uh, sort of deeply religious component, people would be like, the devil put a virus on my computer. And I was like, you, dude, you were looking at porn. Like, you were looking at porn and clicked on something and wanted porn. Just, like, I, it was. Like, it's indistinguishable from magic at a certain, because it was so far removed. I think that, like, technology can help us. I mean, if anybody, there's two. I work at tech all the time. What do I do on the weekends? I interact with people. Wouldn't even use a microphone. <laughs> I interact with people. And I go on a bike ride out to the, to the trees or some, something like that. You know, I think that uh, how very zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance I've made to, to, to have yeah. to combat those two things. But I think that that's normal for everybody. I think that, that <laughs> you know, we, we always want, I think we want technology to solve a lot of stuff and especially out in the Bay Area, we're like, technology, this, and it's just a bunch of hype men that are trying to get their thing funded so they can afford to buy a house at some point in their life. I don't know what, but I, I don't think, uh, science, the incremental, incremental questions for the sake of answers, questions for the sake of answers, it sounds fucking boring, and it is. That's, that's how you get stuff done. Mm. That's how you get stuff done, mm -hmm. and it's not, and it's not glamorous, and it's not an app, and it's not anything else. That's how you, mm -hmm. I mean, look, come on. Bacteria is going to wipe us out. Bacteria and stupidity, that's what's going to wipe us out. So. How so on the bacteria, like synthetic biology? Like no. no. I mean, that's, that, the bacteria, there's a lot of it, and it mutates quite, quite mm. quickly. I mean, that's mm. bacteria and virus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm. sorry. Good. That's, uh, uh, we're gonna, yeah, good. You know, it's gonna, you got, uh, you got uh, antibiotic resistant TB being uh, uh, fomented in. Uh, you said in, it earlier, we had a good run. We had a good run. We blew it, see you we later. We blew it, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're fostering it quite uh, prevalently in, in Russia right now at the moment. Um, How and do you know that? Because I watched PBS and they told me this thing and I trust it because they had the front line. Music. Front line. <laughs> <laughs> And they issue corrections on their website when they when they do something wrong. You know, I, I think that. I mean, I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to have kids. I don't. That that would be a horrible thing to bring another person into something that's clearly on the decline. Uh, 
you know, uh, I don't, uh, technology's not gonna save us. We're not gonna, who wants to, I mean, I heard Rocket Man, that's not, Mars is not the kind of place you wanna raise your kids. It's, in fact, it's cold, cold as hell. As hell. Yeah, <laughs> and there's no one there to raise them if you did, like it's not, uh, you know, even he didn't understand the science, even though it's his job five days a week. But the, the point being is that the... <laughs> yeah, Alan, you young lad, you. <laughs> He's making reference to the Elton John hit song from 1970-something, Rocket Man. It was actually yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a prophetic, if anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's the one that goes, Rocket Man. Where he got drunk <laughs> and played it for 12 minutes in the duck suit in Australia. Yeah. Anyways, the, uh, uh, I digress as a ADD person who fidgets. The... Uh, you, you bring up you bring up very important points that there is a lot on Earth that we like to think about it as code. Sometimes there's a lot of new code deployments that need to happen in order to maximize. Hope is flourishing. hope is a good thing. Hope is a good thing. Hope is a very good thing, but not if it causes you to to shirk responsibility. Hmm. And the hope that technology is going to solve everything for us is impetus right now for people to just be like, "Well, it's fine. They'll figure it out." They'll make some. They'll make some carbon-eating bacteria thing that's gonna, and we'll just dump it in the ocean. and It'll eat the plastic too. It's fine. It's well, cool. technology we isn't gonna solve everything for us. It's gonna solve everything for them. For who's them? Well, I just have a uh, inclination that uh, we are a genetically modified organism. There is an uh, intelligent alien, uh, dark villain behind oh, all right. of this. Fair, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Fair so, enough. You know, there's you medication think? for that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and that, I'm, I'm used to that. That's yeah. what they do. They it's discredit so me. They yeah. ridicule yeah. me on my, the closer I get to the truth, the, yeah. more, the more of I, a fool I am. Do, so do, thank do, you. Do, 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 mm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that the more that uh, people like Ron and others that think in these very abstract ways about what's actually happening on playground earth as an experiment, I think that we need to prop up those ideas and test them as best as we can because those are very exciting uh, and interesting. Well, we already have so ideas. many but like here's the thing we have a lot of problems that we know we know what we need to do like here's the thing separate your recycling don't use plastic stuff that, that's, that's not that's not a good solution actually the good solution is to I make is and to make biodegradables and not even use single-use like plastic materials yeah and then not and then don't don't have kids and encourage your friends not to have kids and encourage the them encourage more to people to get in science and solve scientific problems and, and incentivize solving scientific yeah and problems. spend that time because if you're a scientist you're not getting laid so you just uh, uh, that'll stop that's, the kids. That's, that's not always true. I think there, there's there's ways around that. Um, they didn't have they didn't have uh, really AC in the RLM, and so it was sort of like a, it was always just like they did they did have AC, but it was always just like this patina of grossness yeah. that was there, and it's not uh, no. Speaking of bacteria, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. So, so um, give us your give us your th um, your thought for you know this will be an inter interesting to ask you this. What is your one kind of like skill that you would recommend people, you were, rec you were recommending some thoughts earlier on this, so like what is something good to develop with like with vigilance as a skill? Uh, directed skill? practice. That is the, that is, I mean, uh, if you want to change something, then, then do that, right? That don't, 
You can start, but directed practice means that you have to take incremental steps. You're okay with failure. Uh, and so practice, practice failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 I want to get here. I'm here. I think I want to get here. Maybe along the path, I don't even want to get there anymore. But I want to start, start the path. So people will make the, they'll say, this gap is too large. Or they'll start, they'll start here and they'll fuck up. And then they'll say, oh, well, I'm not good at it. Math is hard. I can't do it. Like, no, math is hard. That's why it's fun. That's why you should do it. Like, mm-hmm. take the in- incremental thing. You don't, like, it doesn't matter what age you are, what background it is. Like, none, none of us are going to be Einstein. It's not going to happen. Like, it, to use that as an excuse, A, puts too much tremendous pressure on one mm-hmm. person to be like, oh, Edwin's going to solve everything for mm-hmm. us. No. Um, you know, everybody c- it can contribute. It may not be in the same flashiness, but you do something that you enjoy and take in- incremental steps, like whatever, 35, buy a piano. Those are very beautiful words. Um, Did you get a baby grand? Or just a, the no, I got a Korg one? SV1. That, uh, oh, an electric I, one. Yeah, I got a, a weighted keys. That's fine. Yeah. Those are beautiful words. good work. therapy, too. Sorry, yeah, yeah. back P- to the show, don't mind Yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. M- music absolutely is two really powerful words, directed practice, yeah, yeah. for anyone. Um, when, when, when technology has over, overcome uh, uh, our, our habits in many ways, that we just bounce back and forth between things all day long, and we're not necessarily directing our practice towards something that we find most meaningful in our lives and taking those incremental steps to become a master, have mastery at something. Ron and I have a couple last questions. Okay for you on the show. First one is, are we alone in the cosmos? No, but we're probably not gonna meet the other people. We're not other things, they're too far away. Like Speed of Light is just, sorry. That's why there's no God. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) That was easy, that was easy, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, you you wanna talk about the others in the cosmos that you? Oh, which is the Drake equation, uh, yeah. uh, created by a uh, um, hip hop rapper from Canada, uh, who also uh, really, uh, <laughs> really enjoyed, and then started to date an 18 year old. It was very weird. Uh, it was. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. No, the the, sure. the Drake equation is essentially like just how large is the universe? What's the probability? What's the floor of it? There's a there is a diminishing chance that there are no other sentient beings. About one out of every five stars has an Earth-like planet, sure. Yeah, but then what's the Earth-like planet? So Earth-like planet is an interesting question. Earth-like planet means like if you, if you put butter in the fridge, right? No, this is true. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> I, we melt, you melt butter. You melt butter, you put it in the fridge, right? It's in a, it's in a container like this. Mm-hmm. Well, the butter separates. Yeah. It separates into... Uh, water, protein, normal fat, mm. cream fat, mm. that's all. Well, what an Earth-like planet means is technically that if you have, a, you, have a, you have a gravitational pull from the sun, from a sun, a star mm-hmm. here, and you have a heat distribution that comes right. out along this way. Yes. What an Earth-like planet is, is the peak, is the peak spectrum of where you would expect water. Yeah. So where, if you look at where, where water droplets would form, there's two places. There's one that's uh, here, Right, a third, third planet, sure, third sure. planet from the from the sun, and then uh, there's one that's outside of the gravitational force around uh, Jupiter, yeah. which is Titus or whatever fucking planet. I'm not, 
Well, there's, know, it doesn't matter if well, you know the names or not. Well, there's, there's, um, well, Enceladus and Titan. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Are, some moon around Jupiter. I believe both Saturn and then Ju and then Jupiter has um, uh, Europa, which is the other one. That was a bad album, but go on. But but uh, but yeah. So then that's another location for water. Oh, that was Europa. That was a different. That's another location for water. So yes, yes. Yeah. Anyways, the point is like yeah. I don't care about that. I care about the math. The math. I don't the care math. about the name. I don't sure. Fuck about what the name is. Yeah, well, the mass fascinating because then that's what you can see as these yeah. little potentials for life around stars. Yeah, so. but anyway, the point being yeah. is that water is the largest aqueous solution, like the most base aqueous solution, and you're, that's what you need to have to, to have something that can combine and have uh, ready available things. So that if we did meet another sentient being, they would probably be carbon-based. I mean, they're, they're going to be carbon-based. Sure. They're not going to be nickel, alloy-based. They're carbon-based. They had some chain of events that propagated in the same way. Um, the propensity for that is a, apparently non-zero. So yeah, whether it's the same time, um, we probably have something to learn from them. We probably don't have anything to, to, I mean, we've been trying to share with them since, the, since at least the mid 60s. Now, although they made, uh, so on Voyager yeah. 2, the, they made the, uh, on Voyager, Voyager Two, <laughs> they Carl Sagan, but you put a picture of like yeah. humans on there, and they yeah. made them take the nipples off the lady, <laughs> which is fucking. This is what this is how politicians fuck shit up. They made the they seriously and the, the guy they the, didn't the, have it on the gold plate, no nipples on the gold plate. I think the dude had nipples. I think the dude had nipples, and they were like no yeah. nipples on women. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And it, so if they're watching that's us like ridiculous. Instagram, yeah. and then they aliens yeah. come here, they're gonna be like, what the fuck? Women have nipples. This is fucked up. And I'm like, they're the only ones that need nipples. Like, why are they on the men? Why do we need to have this at all? John, this is simulation, so we must ask you: Are we in a simulation? Depends what you define as a simulation. I suppose that it's. It, it, there is a mathematical regularity to the universe. So, uh, that appears to be causal. So, in that regards, yes. Um, the implication that it is a simulation for someone, I believe, is false. But, uh, I mean, you can compute any of the individual things, so it mimics a, it mimics a computation. But I think that there's, what was the, not shorter who was the starts with the e forget the dude's name but it was like the miracle of the Edwin. miracle of the of the uh unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics to describe the physical mm. world um that's 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 all you're seeing that's the, no no not Erdos. it was uh, somebody somebody else it was a physicist but it was the um uh it's the unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics to describe the physical, yeah. the physical You world. don't think it's an experiment, though, on behalf of some, like, like we're going to jump into our own little experiments in the next couple of decades ourselves? No, I mean, it's the, the I mean, it doesn't matter if I do or not. Like, there's, find me a way to test it. Questions for the sake of answers. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we're doing. We're, we are. We're going to be probing this. And we'll well, explore. I don't think, I mean, it, it follows mathematical regularity. So yeah. I think that the, the more important component to, to uh, to add, what is the what is the physical manifestation? If there was an outside observer, outside already dictates some space-time thing. But space-time probably came from uh, self-organized component of uh, 
of uh, uh, emergent uh, dimensions, emergent phenomena, perhaps. Uh, but outside and before and after are all constructs that are part of hmm. part of the regularity of mathematics. So I don't. Uh, this doesn't seem like a, it doesn't seem like a worthwhile question hmm. for me to ask. Um, you think that all, all that this is all, all that is is kind of the kind of like the code since the Big Bang. We're all interconnected. It's all one consciousness. Are you on that side of? Theory? Yeah, there's only like four equations though, and those that's what governs everything. And, and those like the principles of physics. If you, if there's a God, it's the principle of physics or principles of physics. We just we we can discover them. That's what you should be working real hard to discover, mm -hmm. because it seems like people want to be like, "Is there a God?" I'm like, "You don't even know physics. Shut up." <laughs> that's such a funny. That's <laughs> good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, great. And then because uh, the equations are yeah, God and wait. Can you please answer the last question? All right. All right. What's the most beautiful thing in the world? Uh. I think that there is, a, there is a, for me, right now, it's why I do what I do, that, that intense joy when you've made a, a group of people laugh in a, in a very particular, in a visceral way, like against, against their will. That if you just told them words without it being a joke, they would say, don't, don't say that, that's horrible. But when you say it in a joke format, and people laugh, and they laugh hard. It is, it is a, you feel very, it's a very human, it's a pretty much the only human experience, right? Is that you're Love. deeply, you're deeply yeah. connected. Yeah. Nah, I don't have that. Uh, <laughs> I, I like oxytocin, uh, and I like, uh, and I like making people laugh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oxytocin is the one that, yeah, that yeah. love drug that uh, produce if you mm -hmm. are uh, infatuated with somebody. Turns out that they hate you, but it's uh, at least you still get to produce the drug for a little bit. It's electrifying what that that feeling of being up on a stage and and really making people laugh their asses off. That's very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that's that's why you, you, it's very addicting, and hopefully you just get better at it. Yeah. And better at it, and more comfortable, and and uh, you know, better at it is is. Uh, is the incremental, uh, you know, directed practice of, of being able to fail. Yep, yep. That, those were powerful words, directed practice. Next time someone asks uh, you if you believe in God, make sure to tell them you don't even know physics. You don't even know <laughs> physics. You know, why are you asking this question? Everyone, get on that directed practice. Yeah. I love it, John. This has been super fun. Thank you for coming on to the show. Absolutely. Yeah, we thank really you so much. appreciate it. We wish you the best with Cheaper Than Therapy. Um, for everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We highly recommend giving us your thoughts in the comments below on the subjects that we talked about in this episode. Get chatting with other people about comedy, about PC culture, about what it's like to go and start your own comedy conversations with more people. Huge shout out to Ron Vogus for producing and directing. Thank you so much. We love you and appreciate you. Also, check out John's links below. John's raising money on his Patreon right now to do more for episodes of Cheaper Than Therapy. Go and support him. Check him out on Twitter as well. Check out Cheaper Than Therapy if you're in the Bay Area. Go and check it out. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows, all four days a week. Go and check them out. And support the artists and entrepreneurs that you believe in. Simulations links are below as well. Support us. Go and build the future, everyone. Manifest your dreams into the world. We love you so much. Get that directed practice in. Peace.